0: Welcome back to the Teaching in Tech podcast for Season 2 with Alan and Chad, where we continue to explore everything related to teaching, learning, and technology integration. Working with teachers, we see amazing things happening in classrooms every day.
1: In each episode, we'll detail teaching strategies and technology integration ideas that are working. Also, special guests will join us to share strategies that have been successful with students.
0: Well, welcome back for another episode of Teaching in Tech. And this week, we're going to be talking about student collaboration. You know, the goal of teachers is to prepare students for life beyond school. And one of the things that we're finding from employers is that most career paths are looking for individuals who have the ability to work well with others, be part of a team, and be prepared for problem solving.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times in classrooms, I don't think we... uh we take enough time to focus on building our real-world skills. You know, we talk about taking content and applying it to the real world, or we talk about the content we have to make sure we cover. But really making sure that we're teaching these skills that can be taken beyond the classroom into the workforce, uh, you know, that that's a piece we should be taking a little bit of time to embed.
0: It kind of reminds me a little bit of the idea in the workforce or even you could look at in a teaching setting with teachers and administrators having meetings where you're talking about the work you're going to do as opposed to actually working together and working on the project that's at hand it's kind of the same thing in a classroom when you have the the teacher who's talking and discussing through these things with students but not necessarily uh, teaching the students how to work together and how to collaborate and, and work on projects and solve problems together.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I look back at school and I can't I I think there's a lot of assumptions that we make saying that people should know or can just automatically work together. Like, oh, I set I set it up. I said, work with a partner. Here you go. And and at the end of the day, I man, I I look at some adults I've had to work with. I don't even know if they know some of these skills. I
0: and, would agree with you. I've, I've actually been in situations as an adult where I've been asked to work with a group or work with a partner in a meeting. And after the person who's facilitating has kind of tasked the groups with what they're supposed to work on, uh, and remember sitting down with some, some of the people I was working with saying, okay, what exactly are we supposed to be doing right now? So um, there's a lot of, different, lot of different aspects to group work that we're gonna dive into and try to look at some ways that uh, you can set students up for success and also help them to become better as they work with others, and as they collaborate on school-related projects. So to get started, let's talk a little bit about an experience that you've had. Uh, Now that you're in the role as an administrator, you have the opportunity to get out and observe teachers. And I would think that that's pretty exciting just from the standpoint of all the different things that you get to see going on uh, throughout the day in the building.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Every teacher I've had the opportunity to work with so far this year, I think there's that level of intimidation just because I'm not that far removed. And they think I have this perception of how it should be. Uh, but I try and remind them, you know, my goal at the end of the day is to make sure that teachers are supported to best support students. Right. And, and I want to make sure that any opportunity we provide to a kid is genuine. Like, are you, do you actually have an opportunity to learn in class? Uh, but with that said, man, I, I had a great chance to sit in a classroom about a week ago, um, and there was not there was an activity that involved a lot of student collaboration and it was it was very traditional with some of the the work it used you know a lot of paper pencil uh but as far as the objectives how they were outlined for students it was exceptional
0: so this was this lesson actually took place in an american history class just maybe talk a little bit about as you were doing this observation, um, what was the what were the the learning objectives and then how were students uh, put into collaborative groups and how were they asked to work toward these learning objectives?
1: Yeah, so this activity actually was a transition out of a separate activity in class. So kids already then had to go back. Uh, teachers said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to dive in. Take an extension off of, uh, I believe it was Andrew Jackson, and they were going into some of the court cases wrapped around that time in history. Uh, They wanted to dive into the court cases, so she prefaced the activity saying, these are the court cases you're going to look into, and they had outlines that were going to be provided to each group. The outlines talked Mm -hmm. about the court case itself, talked about the outcome of the case, and then the students had to discover the implications of what the case had and how it impacted today.
0: So, so one then, of the things, well, if I could just jump in Oh, yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. One, one of the things that I think is interesting, a lot of times when we put students into groups and ask them to research a topic together, a big part of what they do is going out looking for information. And sometimes when you're using the internet to do that, that can be a really, really time-consuming process because you have to sort through so much stuff and try to decide what's relevant and what's not. So one of the things I like about as, as this Collaborative activity is getting started. I like how the key information was provided to the students up front, because as you're going to continue to explain what happened uh, in, in the lesson, they didn't have to spend a bunch of time going out trying to find out information about this court case. The teacher provided that to them in an outline form, in a succinct form where they could get right into it.
1: Yeah, and I think it allows the teacher at that point to provide really the specifics of what they want the kids to gain. Mm-hmm. You know, while they're making their own implications about the material, students, she's like, here, here's the content, here's the facts, right? If you go out, you know, we always say everything on the Internet's true, right? But it, I could go find 100 different pages all saying similar things, but maybe in different ways. And then that leaves room for interpretation across the board 100 different ways.
0: Right. It makes me think of that episode of The Office where Michael Scott says, Wikipedia is the greatest thing ever. Anybody out (laughs) there can write anything they want. So, you know, you're getting all the best information.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So I think that's a great point to make, you know, scaling that down for the kids. Uh, It it limits, especially because they wanted this activity to be completed within um, such a period of time. Right. We're on block schedule. Uh, and we're wrapping up a unit so the teacher's like, okay, this is an important activity, but I'm going to scale down how much I really want them to accomplish. And so like you said, rather than having it where much of that time is spent searching the internet, I'm giving it to you. Now focus on the skills that you need to accomplish the task.
0: You know, the other thing that I'm thinking about in that type of setting as well, uh, when you're dealing with collaborative groups, because there is going to be a certain amount of time that it takes as groups work together and make you know as they discuss they make decisions and kind of decide how they're going to move forward in completing the tasks that have been assigned you really do need to give them a, a clear time frame because if you don't set those time parameters a lot of times what can happen is you never really end up making it to the end of the you know the end of the task and, and uh, you know meeting the objectives that you set out to accomplish because they just get get off track and they don't have enough time to actually finish the tasks that were assigned.
1: You know, a little off task or a little off of our, our conversation, you know. So the activity that led into this, there was a due date, very similar time frame. And it was we're moving forward. You're going to present what you have currently. And so some of the projects I walked into were not finished because the students did not uh, complete what they needed to in the time allotted. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was interesting that that teacher particularly held them accountable for their time frame. Right. Knowing that you had this to work on. I, I, I think it, we look at we try and always accommodate different things. But at the end of the day, if I go into a job and I have a deadline, that deadline means something.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking, that if we really, truly are trying to prepare students for what's next after their school career ends in the workplace you know, regardless of if you're working on individually or if you're working in a group, you're right, deadlines matter. And so, being, you're not going to get accommodations and you're not going to get extensions and the, necessarily the things that you need all the time, uh, sometimes like we might do in the classroom. So, being able to set those hard and fast uh, deadlines. And then, obviously, as a teacher, you still need the, the freedom to be able to adjust if you can see that a lot of students just really need more time. But, I think it's helpful to keep student to hold those uh, you know those checkpoints and deadlines and really kind of hold students to them.
1: Of course, yeah. And so to continue on to the the part about the project or the activity, uh, once the details were given about the court cases and the objectives of the activity, the teacher then had grouped the students and pre-grouped the students based on skill. And so we we discussed what that meant. Um, Teachers looking at, you know, how well the students are reading and writing in class and how well they're grasping some of the content. We talked a lot. I mean, how sometimes at a high school level, some students develop a little bit differently mentally and making sure that they have the cognitive ability to achieve at a specific level. And so just based on observation, interaction with her kids, she was able to pre-group these students to try and balance out the strengths in these different groups. And then provided uh, like roles in these groups, such as, um, you know, the students had to create a visual of what the implications were from the court case. So you would have somebody possibly drawing. You'd have somebody that maybe is a better speaker. They're going to present all of the content to the to the rest of the class. Every group had a separate court case. So each group had to almost teach their court case with the visual representation and describe the implications to the whole class. And so it really took the teacher out of the driver's seat. You know, the teacher was not the giver of knowledge. They were not the ones giving all the content while they provided the materials. They didn't necessarily say it wasn't coming out of their mouth. They weren't saying I'm the, I'm the holder of this uh, information. You need to come to me. It was, you're going to explore it. You're going to share it. And then they were the ones facilitating it.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, you know, some of the things you mentioned in terms of setting up this activity, putting students into groups, and and it takes some time, it certainly is more on the setup, but putting them into groups based on their abilities and trying to kind of balance out where they are skill-wise, you really do end up giving yourself a, a better opportunity for the students to be successful because you've got that balance built right in. One of the things that Uh, Students typically want to do especially when I was working in the in the middle school and middle grades They wanted to pick who they were working with and Mm -hmm. a lot of times. That's great from a social aspect Not so good from work quality standpoint so setting up groups and being thoughtful about that that can really be I think a useful activity But there's also a kind of a flip side to that because you do have to think about from a student standpoint if I'm the the high-performing student and I'm really skilled in in speaking or I have good leadership skills and I always end up being assigned uh, students that I have to kind of pull along with me, that can be kind of taxing at times too. So I think it's it's kind of a, a nice thing to be able to balance those groups. But I used to try to different times when I was grouping kids, look at those high-performing students and every now and then let them work to high-performing students, put them in a group together and let them work together just because they could kind of challenge each other and maybe like uh, lift each other up a little bit as opposed to always asking one student in a group to be a leader with other students who maybe need a little more help.
1: And I could see a time and place for both of those options. In this case, the teachers presenting and providing a lot of the material mm-hmm. uh, because of that, the roles allow students to kind of pick their own strength, even if they have some weaknesses. If, if you're looking to maybe stretch some of those, maybe more of the creational piece. Uh, So if I've got groups creating something based on a task, I may allow my high performers to work together just because then they can excel without feeling like they're having to lift people up in the process.
0: Right. So once these groups uh, went through and learned about their specific court cases, how did they uh, take that information then and uh, build that into the actual group project?
1: So at that point, they had to determine what way they were going to present it. Uh, there was a requirement to have a visual representation. They had to draw out the implications of the court case. And then they had to discuss how or the method in which they were going to teach their classmates of this. Uh, the, the most powerful piece I thought of this was as students were collaborating, working together, diving in, looking through it. The teacher had went around group to group asking either probing questions provide or providing almost suggestions trying to guide the groups really in the direction that she feels they should go without necessarily saying you need to do this
0: Mm -hmm. more of the facilitator role as a as opposed to the the teacher role yep yep it was yeah so what type with the visuals that the students were creating what what are some of the things that you saw there what types of uh, what types of things did they produce to be able to visually represent their court cases?
1: Well, I got to be honest, I stepped out by that point. Um, but the students had begun to uh, try and draw visuals of what was happening maybe at that time era. Um, so like
0: flow charts and things like that, maybe, or like um, yeah. So-
1: yeah, so I saw the format of one, and they had put it almost in chronological order of what happened prior to the court case, what was occurring during the court case, what happened after the court case, and then today. And so they essentially had, um, like you said, chronological, but like a flow of what it looked like uh, and the impact of that court case.
0: Just to give that visual representation and help help students kind of see uh, the flow of how the case went. Yes, one of the things I think too that's interesting here, as you described, that students were engaged in this, um, and they were they were definitely interested in what they were working on, but there wasn't a lot of digital um, skills required. There w- it wasn't a, a really a heavy tech related project, and I think that even in in twenty twenty three, with all the cool things we can do with tech. Sometimes it's nice for students to be able to step back from that, that you think about how much time they spend on a screen, not only for their schoolwork, but also just, you know, entertainment, personal use. Sometimes it's nice to be able to step back from that. In this case, they had, you know, outlines that were given to them with packets and then they had an opportunity just to get in their groups, talk, discuss, split up roles, uh, put together a visual that's, that's still, even though using pencil and paper and, it really actually sometimes can be a breath of fresh air for students when they're in groups and they're working together Uh, just to uh, kind of a way to force them to talk a little bit, because if you think about a lot of digital projects that we do, they can actually collaborate and work on it without a whole lot of communication or interaction.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, through this COVID era, now that we're, you know, coming through the other end, the piece that I think a lot of our kids had missed out on was that face to face time you know, we're almost having to relearn how to communicate with one another. And I think still providing these types of opportunities is important.
0: Mm -hmm. So one last thing, talking about this lesson that you were able to observe, how did the teacher set up criteria or the assessment side of this? So how did students know if they were successful as a group?
1: And so essentially it was, uh, there were just a few checks, right? And so the checks were, pretty much meeting the requirements of each of those roles, right? Do you have your visual representation? Did you have a good uh, explanation of what happened through the court case? Did you describe the implications um, and the impacts of today? So really how she described what the overall objective was and then the roles, it it pretty much kept everybody accountable in the group because each piece of what they were doing was a part of the rubric.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, was, so it was rubric based and the students were able to kind of track and make sure that they had a member of the group covering each of the required things and then yes. the rubric's going to share with them you know what constitutes excellent work uh average work or maybe work that needs some improvement. Exactly. Well that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was very good. Um, it was especially like you said for the the lack of tech and us being kind of in a tech world. Uh it was it was refreshing. Uh, but, you know, speaking of tech, as we, as we you know, think and really that's an anchor of our, our classrooms now, um, Chad, you had an activity that you had actually done in the past, right? Um, can you touch base on that using Google Workspace in the classroom?
0: Well, this is kind of interesting because in my role as as a tech resource teacher, uh, and I'll get to the project in just, just a moment here. But a lot of the time when I get a chance to get into classrooms, I see a lot of of work with Google workspace. And you think about the, the features that are involved, there. collaboration is at the center of that, whether you're using a word processing document, a slide deck, you know, even a spreadsheet. And a lot of times what I see when, when teachers say, well, we're going to use technology to collaborate. I see a shared document and you have different students who are on there as editors, and then they have some type of tasks that they're working on. And, you know, really that's a, that is a shared document with collaboration features, but that doesn't necessarily mean that students are collaborating and and working on learning goals if those things aren't spelled out. So I'm going to go all the way back to, this is probably 2015. Uh, This was early on when Google Slides, Google Docs were kind of just coming on the scene. Google Classroom was a new thing. And I had uh, teaching middle school science I had a standard that had to do with um, the water cycle and the movement of water you know through the different spheres of earth. And one of the projects that we did to go along with that, it was called the World Water Crisis. So we actually looked at issues with um, many countries in the world where there's difficulty finding fresh water. And the students, instead of doing you know a traditional like poster board type project, I set up a digital collaborative project using Google Slides. Now, at this point in 2023, pretty much any student, even if they're in like the intermediate grades, at some point has done a group project where they're building, you know, a slide deck together. But at the time, this was this was a relatively new thing. And it was a really successful project. You know, I've, I've had mixed success with some of the group projects that I've done in the middle school classroom, because in a lot of cases, if the student's uh, were in groups where they didn't mesh well personality-wise, if they didn't understand the objectives, if they just weren't that interested in the content. I've had a lot of group projects that have gone sideways. But this one really stood out because the project, the students just, they they took to the task. Each student really did a a, a nice job of contributing their part of the project. And then the collaborative pieces where they worked together, I really had just some great conversations with students who you really normally didn't think of as being um, good in, in a group environment or um, students who could really at the, at that middle school level, 12, 13 years old, who could handle that very well. And it really just stood out to me. Um, if you set up a project the right way, a lot of times students are, are going to be able to to take off with it and, and go beyond what you think that maybe they can.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that that's great. I, you know, and one thing I'm sitting here thinking like you said today Right. That this is that's almost the norm. Uh, when you did this project, not necessarily was. Uh, what kind of devices did you do this on?
0: So this would these were done on Chromebooks. Uh, these projects were on Chromebooks. But uh, I can give you really a few things that I did that I think were really critical to getting the project off to a good start. So mm-hmm. what each group was supposed to do, what they were tasked to do, is they were going to receive a specific country. That had issues with the water supply, I gave them in the form of a a printout, a PDF that I printed out on paper, I gave them a fact sheet on that country and some of the data that would be important to share. And after they completed their slides, they would then teach the class similar to the, the project you described, they would teach the class about this country, some of the issues uh, with the water supply, some of their suggestions for things that could be done to improve it, and some of the impacts that the people in that country had because of the lack of fresh water.
1: And they taught uh, this as a group.
0: And as a group, they, they came up and, and taught it to the rest of the class. Yep. So here's some of the things that I think really led to the success of this project. So here's the first thing. I spent a lot of time at the beginning, just like the teacher you evaluated, choosing the groups of kids I thought would have a a chance to work together successfully. But I didn't just stop with choosing those groups. A lot of times I've seen where teachers will say, okay, here's your group, open up a slide deck, put everybody in the group on it, and then share it with me. And sometimes that works, but especially with younger kids, I find that a lot of times they can spend a lot of time just trying to get the document open, get everybody added on. When you start having all these random documents shared with you, it just gets to be kind of messy. So what I did, and honestly, when you think about how Google Workspace is set up, this didn't take me much more than a half hour. But I had my group set up period by period, put together in Google Drive folders of each of the slide decks. I made myself the owner of all the slide decks. I created like you know a basic template where they would get started, uh, made a copy for, let's say, there were six groups in a class period. And then I went in and added as collaborators each of the group members with me as the owner. Now, the reason why that the reason why I think that's important is because when we're getting started, I would say, okay, now that you're in your group, everybody go ahead and go to your uh, go into your Google Drive, go to shared with me. You're going to see that slide deck right there instead of, you know, sometimes you get into Google Workspace and going into the slides app, going into drive can be kind of an abyss of files. They were able to just jump right in there, find it and get started. So spending that extra time and setup, I think, was really helpful for getting the project started.
1: You know, and I just want to make a comment as you're going through this chat. Is I, I think the the front loading of some of this preparation is key to any good lessons we're teaching. And and I think too often um, when we plan, we think we just have an idea of what we should be doing or we're going to do. But I mean that that's actionable. And it, I'm just. I think it's a lot right it's a lot to go in and that's a lot of work to expect of somebody but at the end of the day what's the product you want and i think the product you wanted was what you got because of the the effort that you put in at the beginning
0: yeah i would agree i mean i definitely i definitely got probably i would say probably the projects exceeded what i thought i was looking for but the other thing about it is too when you think about how google workspace is set up all those students were in our school directory, so when I started typing in those names to add the collaborators, they
1: just pop right up.
0: Yeah, they pop up. You add them, and and as when I'm saying, you know, I probably created for all six of my classes all of the groups within thirty minutes or so. To me, I saved more than thirty minutes of class time by setting that up in advance, and and it was well worth it. So the next thing that we did once the students were were grouped up and they started working on uh, the slides. It was very clear the number of slides that were required was identical to the number of group members so each person was responsible for one slide so their first step was to individually go in and work on their slide getting it built and so when we would do the presentations at the end each group member was responsible for one of those slides and it was a shared responsibility because when they were teaching the content to the class each group member was going to share their information. So they were an expert on their one slide. They'd be responsible to share that. And, and where I think that's important is everybody uh, had to carry the load together. So there wasn't, okay, you're really good at speaking, so you're going to do the talking, and I'm going to stand up there with my hands in my pockets and just try to like uh, be unassuming so nobody notices me. Everybody shared the responsibility, and so I think that gave everybody a little bit more motivation to dive into it at the beginning, knowing that they were going to be responsible for their slide.
1: And I, and I don't know how intentional this piece was or not, but I even think about, um, you know, presentations we do at work. If I don't know what's on the slide previous to mine it, or what's following mine, right, it's very hard to be intentional about all of the material I put on my slide, mm-hmm. right? And so when you're talking about the collaboration piece, the, the kids even have to communicate about what are you putting on yours? What do I need to make sure is on mine so that way you, I can transition to you, right? Those are all key pieces that I don't know. I don't know how intentional it was, but that that's great because I think that those are almost implicit skills that are developed through a project like that.
0: Well, it was actually built right into the rubric in that. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> they, were actually, they were actually supposed to discuss with each other, not only, you know, what's on your slide, but then how, what's a good transition? How are we going to move from what I discuss into your part next? So that was part of what they rehearsed before they actually did their presentation uh, to the rest of the class. And then the other thing that I where I thought the collaboration, I really wanted to kind of get them thinking about as a group and take ownership over their project. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it before that when you have like a very vague set of objectives, the slides you get kind of reflect that. You know, they're just your generic slide deck with some information copied off Wikipedia thrown in there. And it's really not a lot of bullet points
1: off off of Google.
0: Yep, just random images inserted in there. Well, this was different because I wanted them to think about the specific country they were researching, some of the, the actual problems with the freshwater supply and, and what contributed to the crisis. And then so when they started, we talked about like choosing your background colors, choosing your uh, fonts, choosing your color schemes. What what types of things can you choose? to best get the point across that you're trying to share, to give a theme. We talked a little bit about a theme of a presentation. And so there was some of the conversations among these groups were just, I mean, for 13-year-olds, it was just phenomenal how they were talking about it almost like because of setting up the directions for them, they took ownership in the slides. They wanted them to look good. And it really felt almost more like listening to young adults as opposed to kids talking about the decisions they want to make. And, and it was really cool to see. And it was a really, and you talked about that facilitator role. I was more of the facilitator after explaining the project. It was really kind of rewarding just to step back and listen to them talk about some of the decisions and how they wanted to format their slides and how they wanted to be prepared.
1: I mean, I just want to say it again. They were 13 years old, right? And, and when you're talking about a project like that, not only is the project phenomenal, I'm also thinking about the skills, the life skills that are being developed through that. You know, even even all the way down to the point of what font works best to really market what we're trying to sell in regards to this fresh water um, or, or describing the world water crisis in those different areas and regions. You know, the fact that 13-year-olds are having this conversation really says that you set a high expectation for the kids and they reached it or exceeded it, like you said.
0: In some right. cases, yeah. In some cases, actually exceeded it. And then the final part of the project was, you know, the slides weren't just uh, an activity for them to do to turn into me that I was going to grade. You know, they used those slides to teach the rest of the class. So when you talk about, you know, one of the things we focus on a lot in, in the, the world of STEM and STEAM is creating a product that has an authentic audience so in this Mm. case it was an authentic audience because they were going to use this information to teach the rest of their classmates and and having that purpose as opposed to just something that i was going to evaluate i think that gave them a little bit more motivation to really dive in and try to make it the best you know for each group to make the best information they could and then the one last um, piece of this group project that i think really helped in terms of the collaboration you know, when you're asking a student to sit there and allow one of their classmates to teach them a concept, in a lot of cases, you can't expect a student to be a highly skilled teacher because in this case, you know, they're just doing this for a project and they don't have a lot of experience like teachers as professionals do. So what we uh, what we did to finish the project is there was a note-taking sheet where the, the students in the class who were watching the presentation they would jot down notes from each of the groups as they came through, and then they received a score for participating and keeping their notes on each of the countries and, and the issues with their water supply. And so I think that was really a key part of the project, too. When you're asking the students to get up and present, you know, we know as teachers how hard it can be to present to an unengaged audience by giving the, the note uh portion of that to the students who are observing the presentation, it kind of forced the the participation a little bit, so to speak.
1: Oh, it's good. And, and that and being an active listener is also a skill, right? And so we struggle, I, I've seen it across the board. We struggle to keep kids engaged as professional teachers, let alone, mm-hmm. a, you know, here that comes in and just is trying to present information that they themselves just learned.
0: Yeah. So really the last thing I would say, though, as we're talking about that project, you know, this was really at the at the very beginning of and at that time it was I believe it was called Google Apps for Education back in the beginning. You know, they've changed the name three or four times through the different iterations. Oh, yeah. But I definitely one of the things I had on my side is that Google Slides were really and that was a novel thing for all of those students. That was really the first time probably for most of them that they had ever worked on a Chromebook for one. And the other thing, it was the first time that they had ever worked on a collaborative project using a collaborative document. So, you know, fast forward, nine years later, eight years later, whatever, whatever it is, it's a little different now because everybody's done these projects many, many times. And some of the projects that they've done using these tools are probably quite good. And to be honest, some of them are probably really lousy. So it's, it's going to be different now when you're doing this type of project. It really does depend on the, on the content that you're trying to teach and how you're getting the kids to collaborate. Cause at the end of the day, if they're interested in the content and you've given them specific ways to collaborate with each other, what's going to end up happening is they're going to, th- their interest isn't going to come from the technology tool. It's going to come from the discussions they have and the content that they're talking about.
1: Well, and that's why I asked at the beginning, you know, what, what, medium were you using in regards to your tech just because you know now is obviously apple a uh, little bit more um, intuitive and in far as far as how we're using it or integrating it uh, and i just wanted that comparison to be shown of students were engaged and the tech itself wasn't necessarily engaging right it's a laptop versus an ipad now
0: well yeah that's true
1: you know and and i don't even think we everything that is engaging is necessarily fun right we always we always use those words interchangeably but that's not necessarily true
0: that's 100% and, the case
1: and and i think this type of activity where you took 13 year olds you you set a bar and an expectation so high that you almost put the faith in them they felt that and they rose to the challenge and i don't think we do that enough when we create a project And then on top of that, you had it so explicitly outlined as far as the expectations along the way that there really wasn't a lot of room for interpretation. It was this is your objective. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we drop the ball there. Like you said, when it's left vague or too open, sometimes what we get is, you know, really just it's it's lousy work.
0: Va- right, vague. It's it's very, if you have vague expectations, a lot of times you end up with vague, very general, you know, work and a very general product that you get in return.
1: Yeah. And so that comes back to when you, when you're creating your plan, we said this in a couple of our wow. episodes, right? What is your learning objective? Right. And I'm not saying that your state standard, like what do you want your kids to know from the, and do when they finish this project? Yes.
0: Yep. You know, one last thing I would say about the project that was was really cool is back at that at that point in time Google Classroom didn't have the building grade, grading features. So I didn't actually assign this project through Google Classroom. And what was really cool about going through this was the first time I had ever experienced this as a teacher. I've obviously I'd done it several times after that. When it was time to grade those, sitting down at my computer and just opening all those folders and just opening this each student's uh project as far as like their the group project and so four or five students per group man it was so easy to grade those because you know in the past it was a matter of trying to collect all that work from students and take all of it home and and we've come a long way since then and we grade a lot of uh, a lot of the work online now but it was really cool just to have all that gathered together where i could open up a, a group project go through the slides score it out based on the rubric open up the next one And all of it was gathered together right there in a folder. And that was really a nice thing.
1: There is a convenience to technology in that regard. And then there's no more of, you know, I lost it or I don't know where it's at or misplacing it. Right. You can just search it.
0: Yep. Well, let's go ahead and finish up a little bit. uh, Just kind of looking at this comparison of student collaboration, we looked at one example of more of a, I'll use the term, analog assignment, an unplugged assignment where they were working on um, a group project that didn't involve technology. And then we looked at another example of a a group project that did involve technology. So what do you think is the key as far as um, maybe when to choose digital, when to go with maybe an unplugged type assignment?
1: You know, I, I think that there's a time and place for both you know, really, you really have to look at um, the learning objectives um, that are important during your lesson. You know, like we said, really setting down and saying, what what do you want to accomplish with this project? And if it requires um, the use of skills with technology, then implement technology. If it's more of the communication, the face-to-face, and I need them to really just focus on the task at hand rather than implementing a new tech or medium in that regard then don't implement the technology right so i I as somebody
0: who specializes in technology i i always start professional development sessions with that exact concept when you're designing a lesson using technology you start at the same place as when you would design a lesson without using technology which is what are your learning objectives and when you can choose the appropriate tools and if it's technology that best fits those objectives just as you said that's the way to go and in some cases if the technology is going to hinder it then you go a different direction
1: couldn't agree more you know
0: so so in one as we talk about that one of the things i was also thinking with your lesson that you observed in the history class as much time as students spend on screens, if we can be thoughtful about that and provide some activities that take a break from technology, I think sometimes anymore, that can almost be just as motivating as all those years ago, my, my Google Slides project was, because now the, the technology free lesson is almost uh, a, ra- a rarity compared to using tech. So sometimes that can actually give students a little bit of a spark just because they don't do it very often.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, it's funny, I talk to students all the time, and a lot of them want paper pencil. And, and, and I don't think it's because they genuinely prefer paper pencil. I think it's because we've over substituted everything we do with tech. Yep. right. And so we've talked about the samer model in our other episodes. But when you overuse tech, just to say that you're using tech, at the end of the day, is it removing barriers? Is it is it? helping develop skills you need, or are we just doing it just to say we did it, right? And so I think the kids, like you said, if you can kind of provide those breaks, sometimes paper, pencil is not a bad thing. I go to work and sometimes paperwork is what I'm doing and it's not on the laptop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, just as you mentioned, if you're if you're really inundating the students with a lot of substitution where they might as well be just doing a pencil, paper worksheet, if they're doing that on the device, Both of those aren't super motivating. So the type of activities that you're having them collaborate on or work with, uh, if you're using tech or if you're not, the actual activity is really at the bottom of bottom or end of the day, I guess you'd say, what really matters.
1: Couldn't agree more. And so, well, as we wrap up, just want to reiterate, you know, collaboration is an important skill and helpful for students, especially after they leave high school. Uh, going to either the workforce, college, military, wherever it may be, right? And so just like anytime we're teaching content, we also need to focus on teaching students how to interact, how to discuss, and how to work together.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, ver- varying uh, the collaborative activities, you know, with and without the use of tech, that can definitely be a helpful thing. And uh, as always, really looking at your learning objectives and trying to find what's going to be the most motivating way and what's going to be the most effective way to help them uh, work together, to interact, to communicate and, and collaborate on the project. So we hope you've gained some ideas from this episode for implementing strategies and activities for student collaboration.
1: If you've enjoyed the podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and write us a review. You can find all episodes of Teaching in Tech with Alan and Chad on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.